Good morning. <clears throat> it's a communion service. So my aim is to fire us up about communion. To have all of our sins forgiven, whatever we've done. <clears throat> That's what this message is for. To fire us up for the meal with God. Um, the point of the Christian faith is this. Jesus loves you. I could stop there. We could go home, couldn't we? Some of you are thinking, I wish he would. <laughs> John 18 presents us with a moving chapter of Jesus being arrested and betrayed and soon to be butchered because God loves you. And I just want to look at three people who all almost missed the point. And I don't want anyone to miss the point that God loves you this morning. So I'm going to try and show you how they missed the point so that we don't miss the point and that we have communion together. Because God loves us. We don't say it enough in church. The first person who almost missed the point, his name begins with a P. And to keep you awake, why don't you shout it out like we're in primary school? Peter. Here's a verse about Peter. Simon Peter had a sword and he drew it and struck the high priest's servant's ear and it came off and the servant's name was Malchus. God loves Peter, but God shows his love in a very special way, and Peter almost misses that, almost. If you don't know about Peter, he'd had a long day. He was tired. They were in a garden, and he dozed off several times when he was meant to be praying, and then he was woken up by a mob. The mob was led by one of his friends, Judas, and the mob was out to arrest Jesus unfairly. So Peter woke up, and by impulse and being shocked and scared, he drew a sword, but if you know Greek, it's actually a little dagger, and he swung it, and he chopped off Malchus's ear. And then Jesus rebuked Peter and said, put the dagger back in its place. If you live by that way, you'll die by that way. And what he means is, you're missing the point. Peter doesn't like what's happening to Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to be taken, so he struck it off. And he probably wasn't aiming for the ear, because who aims for an ear? He was just doing this, wasn't he? He was in a rage. He was bothered in his spirit, but he reacted with his muscles and his might and physical man stuff, which is never good, and it's not what God is about. And um, I would probably run away and hid, but he swung, and he forgot the whole point of how to really know that God loves him and how this message is going to spread. It's not going to be by chopping people up. He needs to feed his spirit to really grasp that God loves him, not his muscles and his daggers. And Jesus said to him in Matthew 16, Peter, your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of man. Stop it. So, because God loves Peter and he loves you, Jesus says, put away the sword. That's not how you're going to grasp that I truly love you. Certainly not how Malchus is going to grasp that I also love him. And he says in verse 11, I'm about my father's business, and it's nothing to do with chopping people's ears off. Remember, Jesus at any moment could have called a legion of angels down, and they could have all had daggers. He could have wiped everybody out. The whole Roman nation could have gone. But 
He's about changing the heart and the soul and the spirit. And the greatest miracle that God's ever done isn't that he could command angels or turn bread, multiply it, or turn water into wine or walk on water. He didn't conquer the Europe that way and he didn't conquer the Roman army from that stuff. The greatest and most impressive miracle that God has ever done and that he's about to do is to find a way to die and shed his blood for sinners in their place. That's how hearts get warmed and to really realize that God loves me. That's how you get wowed to God. And in chapter 12, Jesus has said, I have to fall to the ground like a grain of wheat and I'm going to die. And that's going to change the world. Peter, you're almost missing the point about what the Christian faith is about. Have you missed the point about what the Christian faith is about? It's that Jesus is about to drink a cup to its very dregs. And it's the most bitter drink that he'll ever drink. And it's judgment against all of our sins so that you'll never have to have that drink. Peter didn't quite get it in that moment. Do you know one of our favorite songs that we sing from Peter's time onwards to this is this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Doesn't that capture the heart? He has to go to the cross, Peter, so we can sing, Jesus was slain for me at Calvary. Peter, I love you. You're almost missing the point that the success of the Christian faith rests on the fearless declaration of the gospel that Jesus died for sinners. Peter forgot that he's dealing with the king of the upside-down world who teaches the first shall be last and the last shall be first, Peter. And Peter, to be weak is to be strong. To serve is to lead and to die is to live. And Jesus goes and shows that by hanging on a plank of wood in weakness to save the world. And to tie off this bit about Peter, John captures all this very powerfully because in verse 5, Jesus says, I am, as a description of himself. And in verse 17, Peter says, I am not. That's a frightening moment where Peter no longer aligns himself with Jesus. Everything Jesus is, he ends up by saying, I am not. It's a contrast of words. And of course Peter's going to do that, because he's been thinking like a man. And man gets scared of things, and even scared of little girls in this chapter. And it leads us to deny Jesus, because he doesn't want us to think like men. He wants us to think like God. It's the upside-down world. But remember this detail for the end of this little message. Peter, in verse 25, was warming himself by a fire. God loves Peter. He almost missed the point. The second chap, who almost misses the point, and maybe did entirely, I don't know, but he got jabbed with the point, but he almost missed the point. What was his name? It began with <coughs> an M. Shall we shout it out? Malchus. Here's verse 10. Then Simon Peter had a sword, struck the high priest's servant's ear, and his name was Malchus. I think 
Malchus was a crowd follower. He's in a large number of people who are hunting down Jesus. He's following the hype. He's following the hysteria. He's following his peers. He's following the government. And it's laid, led him all the way to get rid of Jesus and kill Jesus and remove Jesus from the world. And did you know, some people in this room are following the crowd and you might follow them right up to your death. And it might mean that you never know Jesus because you're following a crowd that's leading you away from them. And you're afraid to break free, like Malchus. You're afraid of people's opinions. And you're afraid to stand up for what's right and what's holy because it's difficult. And as culture moves more hostile to Christianity, especially the ethics of our faith, it's just so hard. So this is a case of when people are big, and God is small. And if that is you, here's a quote from St. John Chrysostom from the same time period as the Nicene Creed. Are you ready? If you knew, Malchus, I added that bit, if you knew how quickly people would forget you after your death, you would not seek all your life to please anyone but God. Everyone in this story is in one of two places, heaven or hell. The ones in hell are regretting it and will regret it forever. And God loves you. So he's put me in this place to tell you that. You get to serve Jesus and know him and love him and be loved by him and join his crowd from this moment on and forever. And it's always worth it, even though it's hard. And the third person who possibly missed the point we don't know how his story ends. His name begins with an A. Um, what was it? Annas. God loves Annas. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And that includes Annas. 2 Peter 3.8 says that. So he sent Jesus into the world to save people. But Annas misses the point. Because he's religious. A religion which isn't centered around God's Son causes Annas to miss the point of God's love. We learn, brace yourself, in John's Gospel that the Son of God was killed by Bible-believing churchgoers. But they missed the point. They missed the point that all of the Bible, the message is this, the Father has sent the Son in the power of the Spirit to save because He loves you. And they willfully rejected that message. They still went to church and they murdered God's Son. They missed the point. Annas is a mafia thug, but he fits in at church. He's also the father-in-law of another thug in verse 13. Caiaphas, Jesus-hating religious mafia thugs who missed the point. Proud, pompous hypocrites. And one of the most shocking verses in the Bible is this one. You ready? Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Do you know why that's shocking? It's okay if I commit murder. As long as I'm in church on the weekend, God still loves me. And the religious people look down on Jesus, and they talk down to him in verse 19, and they demand an interview with him, and they hate him. 
Do you know why? Because Jesus grounds what the love of God looks like. And religious people never like that. It's too clear. It's too articulate. They like a vague notion of God where the loudest elder in the room gets to decide what godliness looks like and sounds like. And it's just a reflection of their own personality. And churches do that all the time. But here we have God on the ground. And now there's a conflict. The loudest religious person in the room versus the divine Son of God. So they get rid of him. And they use religion to do it. We all know ghastly stories of religious people who are apparently godly and are on a holy mission from God and they're the most nasty people in the world because it's always a disaster when we get religion but it's not centered around the loveliness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's you, you've missed the point. I had someone in my life crying last week. Do you know why? Some religious people had been horrible in the name of holiness and godliness. And I know in 2024, and I get asked this all the time, it's hard sometimes to say what the Bible says people should be like and how they should be, and there's a conflict, and sometimes we have to be the ones to say what you're doing the Bible says is wrong, but that doesn't mean we should ever be nasty. And there's a lot of nastiness. So here's the final warning from Annas. Don't miss the point of the religion. I made a list of what religion can be like and has been like in my lifetime. No makeup, ladies. No alcohol. Black suits only. This hymn book only. I'll split from this church otherwise. This Bible version only. Women, wear this. And it's your fault if a man falls. Always your fault. Here's a scary statistic that I read last week. Did you know this? A committed Christian man is the least likely to abuse his wife and the most likely to love his wife and children. Right? A nominal Christian, that's someone who just claims the name, but their life isn't really around the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't really engage. They just use the name. They're the most likely men on planet Earth to abuse their wives and harm their children. They're more harmful and abusive than committed Christians and secular men. So a statistic last week shows that a nominal religion in the name of Christianity is worse than no Christianity at all. And that's how you miss the point. You make this great faith of ours about everything and nothing. Whereas it should be all about Jesus was slain for me at Calvary. And I close by telling you all these people stood in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene in this chapter and God loves them all and would save them all if only they would repent and believe. And his message to them all is, it's the same to us, come. Come. If you resonate with anyone in this chapter, I know I do, come to this communion table this morning. You will be saved. And my last thought was to revert back to a, something I told you to remember. Peter warmed himself by the fire. John wrote that for a reason. And this is how not to miss the point.
couple of chapters later, Jesus has died, and he's risen, and he's looking for Peter. And he's on a beach, and he does a miracle, and they catch some fish, and you know what he does then? He lights a fire, and Peter swims to get to Jesus. And I want you to picture Peter standing next to the fire, and you know those moments where something brings memories flooding back. The last time I was by a fire, I said these words, I am not anything to do with him. What does he think of me now? And he's soaking wet, and he's staring into the flames. I've killed him. I'm so ashamed. And then he realizes the whole point of why Jesus makes a fire in chapter 21. And the whole point is this. Are you ready? It's, Peter, I love you. I went to the cross for you. And yes, you chose safety over me and your own reputation over me. But whatever sin you've done, whatever sin you've done, whatever sin you have done, name it. And I became it on Calvary for you because nobody loves you like me. And then they have a meal together and they leave knowing the peace of God that nothing else on planet earth can match. And that's exactly what can happen to us at this wonderful communion meal. Shall we stand and sing the praises of God while the children come back to enjoy this feast with us? And then we'll have communion. Thank you. <laughs>